Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast. Hyphen Nation. I'm your dashing, daring, debonair host, Ellen Conley. Morgantown Weather Report, it's raining outside. It was 60 degrees and then probably around close to 4 o'clock. It's been raining very hard off and on. Temperatures dropping. We're going back to the 40s tomorrow, people. So you can all look forward to that. Should be a wonderful time. Hyphen Podcast Group is brought to you by Hyphen Nation. <laughs> Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group. Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people. HyphenPodcastGroup.com And also by Mark Robb, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. Marcus writes pontiferous. I don't think it's the right word. Um, he writes he writes power paragraphs of pontifications about politics and sports and news, pop culture, you name it. He's probably touched on it before. So make sure you go check out all his great writing. He's got some new pieces coming out this year. Last piece was about the rise of Skywalker and the less said about that movie, the better. You can find all of his work at the markrob.wordpress.com. Again, that's the M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I have something to say. Um, so th- this is the only topic. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy SB the Ghost. I want to shout out Kellen hyphen Conley and his podcast hyphen Nation, which just had his 100th episode, Hip Hop Manifesto and the hyphen podcast group. I want to say congratulations. Love is love from SB the Ghost, LOX D Block. Keep doing what you're doing. And shout out to Shiver because he cared about y'all and love y'all. Salute. Ghost told you so. So the other day, I'm at work, and I work with four other girls. My boss, I can't count, five other girls, six if you count the mortgage person, women. And you know, me being me, I like to have fun, I like to joke around, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was talking to this one coworker, and I said something, and it wasn't anything crazy, wasn't anything perverse, anything like that. But she looks at me and says, you're the whitest black guy I know. Yeah. Immediately, I'm triggered. And I know she didn't mean anything by it, or supposedly didn't mean anything by it. But let me tell you something. Let's take a journey, everyone. I just finished listening to, it's like a podcast or whatever, their Watchmen episode, which dealt more heavily with race than the Watchmen. 
And one of the questions that Bain was asking was, when did you first realize your blackness, you know? He asked Marcus, who didn't get approval to be on the show, but whatever. And I think he asked uh, Kayan. You know, I think he related some of his own story. So, let's see, ladies and gentlemen. I guess the first time I realized my blackness, you know, I had just moved to Cape and Bridge, so I was nine years old at this point. Moved there in 92. And when I, we moved, I got changed over to the, the school system right there in Cape and Bridge. So I went to Cape and Bridge Elementary. Go Hawks. And I remember went to school and literally, I don't think I was the only black kid, but there was plenty. I mean, there wasn't that many more of me and none of them were around me like that. Like not in my grades, they were younger, things of that nature. But we went out to recess one day. And this is like September because school didn't start until after Labor Day then. And... No, they were like, oh, well, let's play, let's play two-hand touch. Play football. Cool, I'm down. Mind you, I hadn't played football since being back in Winchester because my only memories of playing football as a kid in Winchester was over my, my, um, our family friend Herman's house, his old house on, um, what was that street called? We lived on Gray Avenue. He didn't live on Sheffield. Maybe he did. He might have lived on Sheffield Avenue. It was only a couple streets down from from my from where I lived on Gray Avenue with my dad. My mom used to stay over there too. So the churchyard is where I used to play football, and me and my cousins Mike and Mark. And some of the kids from the neighborhood, we would go down there and we play, we would play football, football. So we're playing full on tackle. Didn't matter. Get your clothes dirty. Like we're we're out there in the churchyard field. It wasn't a hundred though. It wasn't a hundred yards. But that bitch felt long when you were a kid, man. And we used to play out there and have a great old time. So this is my first time playing football. In Cape and Bridge, you know. But yeah, yeah, let's play football. So we couldn't play tackle. So you had to play two-hand touch. And for some reason, I don't know what it was. Blame it on the athleticism of my classmates. Blame it on a few lucky catches on my part. But I went off. I ran up and down that field, scored a bunch of touchdowns, like maybe three touchdowns, you know. Couldn't be stopped. It's too fast, too quick, everything. And our team won pretty handily. 
Everybody was like, oh man, look at this, this is, look at this black kid and all his athletic ability, you know. They, they didn't say that, but it, it was an impressive debut, and little did they know it was a fluke because next time we played football, I did not play that well. And honestly, that might be the best football game in my entire football career because I never played organized. But I remember we're going back in. And I don't know, maybe I was talking some junk or whatever, celebrating too much. And this kid said something along the lines of, shut up, nigger. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever been called a nigger. I knew what it meant. I knew the connotation. I knew it was bad. And the funny thing is, I didn't know how to react. I was in shock that someone would call me that. So, the couple of friends I had made so far in, like, in my actual classroom, they came to my A, like, oh, don't call him that, blah, blah, blah. And so, I think he ended up getting in trouble for calling me that, and then... I think we eventually made up. I I don't remember exactly who it was at this point. But. Yeah, that that was the first time I became aware of my blackness. And ever since then, my blackness has always been something I've. Been. Either. Blissfully unaware of or definitely aware of so let's flash back even further some say three some say four my dad's uh and my mom split up they weren't married but they break up and dad starts seeing the woman who would ultimately become my adoptive mom, my mom, Bonnie. Bonnie was white. I don't know if I mentioned that to y'all, but Bonnie's white as hell. And so, and Bonnie lived in the country, Cape and Bridge. Just, uh, she lived in a different house than the one we moved to in 92, but it was literally just down the road of our driveway, her old house. She ended up selling it and, and building this new house. know why she built the new house I'm not sure maybe it was related to my uh, stepbrother who I never got to meet Um, so it could have been related to just too many memories in that house of him Jeff but yeah my stepmom was super white so on weekends and stuff Dad would take me up to Cape and Bridge, or or she would come down to Winchester and stay the weekend, you know. And I was super little, so I didn't think anything of it, you know. You know, well, this this woman is dating Dad, and they they seem to be in love. My dad did an excellent job of keeping me away from 
I don't know. I only lived in Winchester till I was nine, but he definitely kept me away from the dumb shit I could have seen. Win- Winchester ain't the hardest place ever, but he said on the pod, the first time he's on the pod, one of the reasons he moved out of Winchester is because he didn't like what he was seeing and the way it was going. He he fit, like, I think he even said, I feel like I would have ended up in trouble, legal trouble, if I had stayed in Winchester. I don't know what he was doing. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. So all of a sudden, this new woman's in my life. I still see my mom, but then here's Bonnie, or I called her Barney when I was born. You know, some reason. Well, when I was born, when I was little, I couldn't. I didn't couldn't say Bonnie. I I wouldn't say Barney. And this is pre purple dinosaurs. So shut up. And Bonnie came to love me like her own kid, and took me places with her, and and. Introduced me to her family and stuff when her and my dad were just dating, really. I mean, I don't know what the definite plan was. Obviously, I ended up getting married. That's pretty early on that I'm meeting her sisters and 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 her brothers and kind of being welcomed into the family by all of them. It, it was It was quite interesting because... I mean, all uh, and her mother. Shout out to you, Grandma. <laughs> it's been, jeez, this will be twenty-two years since Grandma passed. Funny thing, sidebar: Grandma passed in ninety-eight. Was it ninety-seven? Late like she made it ninety-eight, and then my granddad died. Dad's dad passed in 98 for sure. And then 2015 rolls around and Bonnie and Barbara both go the same year, literally a month apart. Go figure. So I'm having all these good, genuine interactions with all these white people and things like that, you know? And... I don't think anything of it. Like, I see my black family still. But there, there's no sharp differences for me. Mom and Dad and Bonnie did a very good job of making me uh, realize very early on to, to not see color, you know? So... I never I never classified people like that. People were people. I was that I was raised that naively, okay? And so I remember being in third grade, man. And I had a crush on this girl in my class. And I was just like, oh man, she's so pretty, blah, 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 blah. This is like circa 91, early 92. I remember Jungle Fever was out. And I remember telling Mom, telling Barbara, I'm like, Mom, Mom, I got Jungle Fever. 
I don't know if I ever said dad had jungle fever or whatever. Maybe I saw the, the, or dad had the Stevie Wonder album for jungle fever. So maybe I kind of picked up on what was going on from the little insert inside the, the tape deck and everything. And mom and mom's like, what do you mean you got jungle fever? I was like, oh, I like a white girl. And she's like, oh, well. I don't remember what she said exactly. She didn't diss me for it. There was no diss. But she's probably like, wasn't surprised because ultimately, probably, dad had left mom to go be with a white woman. And of course, mom is was very light-skinned, you know, but she's still black. So he, he had left her to go be with a white woman. So naturally, why wouldn't her second-born son suddenly be drawn to white women because he's around one all the time and other white people all the time. And and still, I was in this elementary in Winchester called John Kerr Elementary. And there was black kids there, but I still feel like it was more predominantly white. I feel like the... I feel like, like my cousins and stuff, they, they went to... um. Frederick Douglass. I started out at Frederick Douglass. It was close to where I lived, but then the old Frederick Douglass closed and they um, moved everybody to new Frederick Douglass. But I didn't go, and I feel like Dad told me I didn't go to Frederick Douglass by choice. Like he wanted me to be at John Kerr instead. Like they gave him the choice because John Kerr was literally all the way across town for me. Again, he was, I don't know, man. Like, I, he was keeping me away from the closest I could ever gotten to the black experience, you know? Like, I do recall in kindergarten that I kissed this girl named Charity who was a little black girl who lived up the street from Herman. And we used to kick it every now and then, you know, hang out, play. Uh, and she was supposedly my girlfriend for a while. Remember Charity? And... I was just completely kept away from my black experience. In hindsight, am I mad about it? No, because obviously I wouldn't change the way I was raised. I feel like I was raised really well. And that was my parents' decision ultimately to do that. And supposedly, Dad had told Mom when he asked her to give up her... Because I, I feel like he had to go to her because I think they had joint custody. And I think that he had to go to her for permission for me to move to another state. And he told her it was because the schools in Cape and Bridge were better. But I don't think he told her he was about to marry Bonnie. So, I don't know, fam. But yeah, I was completely kept away from that side of things, so... Just from what I remember at John Kerr, like I, I, we we go to classes, and I remember one of my teachers is black, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Nelson, and she was one of the toughest teachers I had until I I got to like fifth grade, because she didn't take none of my shit. She literally lived up the street from Herman, and she did not take any of my shit, none of the talking when I wasn't supposed to, none of the acting out, and it wasn't like bad. It was like. Mm, I'm a goofball, you know, 
not complete class clown, but I was borderline. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, <laughs> she didn't play take my shit, man. And like there was a few more than a few times that uh I came home with bad reports from her, but uh I respect the hell out of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Nelson. I hope she's doing well. I I literally have not seen her probably since I was in third grade because third grade was the last year I was in Winchester. But yeah, we would go to our classes and you know eat lunch and we'd had we had field trips. I know we took a field trip to Smithsonian Zoo and recess like this playground. I I've went back and sent like in the last I don't know twenty years shit that uh since I've really been going to Winchester like that again. I remember taking Angel to John Kerr so she could see the elementary school, and we went down on the playground, man, and that thing is just massive. It was like running space for miles. I can still see it in my head. And, like, you would come down, like, the back door, and there's a set of, this long set of steps, 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 steps. And then once you got down the steps, you had, like, uh, you had uh, playground equipment to your left, and then this huge field, and then the swing sets were down at the bottom, um, and we used to, we used to play um. I, I guess we called it chicken on the on the monkey bars and stuff, man. And I used to I kind of used to live for chicken. I don't know why, <laughs> but I I just used to fuck with, like yeah I would get there kicking another dude and tear him off there. And I don't remember taking a hard spill ever or anything like that. So I must have. I mean I know I've lost a few share of my fair share of my game of games, but. I don't remember getting my ass kicked. And then like right behind the swing set was like a set of trees that you could, that kind of like it was open. It was cleared out behind the trees so you could go behind there. This playground was massive. And there's just always something to do and always had someone to play with and things like that. So I just remember John Kerr really fondly. But yeah, I like that. I like that one girl. I think her name was, uh, oh, I don't know if I'll have it. I thought I had it. I don't remember her actual name name. I feel like her name was Christina or something like that. I never expressed these feelings towards her, though. I was like, uh, you know, I'm too shy. Which would be something that would go on to haunt me <laughs> into my uh, college years up until I uh, met Angel, essentially. Where I was just, mm, uh, you can't talk to girls. You know? Uh, how are you? Here's a love note. I was a loser, man. See so, yeah, it? I was like, oh, I like a white girl. But anyway, flash forward back to fourth grade. Get called the get called a nigger, and all of a sudden I'm very aware of my blackness. So I, I talked to mom. I'm like, go home and like, dad had basketball games, so it was normally me and Bonnie at home when I got home and shout tell her like like some some little boy called me a nigger today and she's like well you know that you're not a nigger right you know what that is and it's like yeah as soon as I said it her definition of a nigger it 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 wasn't your typical racial slur. 
I think she was trying to say flip it and say it meant someone who was lazy, blah, blah, blah. Trying to take take the pain out the word. But let's be honest here, people. I am an I am a African I am a, I can't even talk. I'm an African American. I am a Negro. I identify as nigga. Negus, if you listen to Pimp a Butterfly. And at the end of the day, to a lot of people, I, I'm a nigger, you know? She tried to take the power away from it. Uh, and I respect her for that. She was trying to protect me. Mom always felt like I was very soft-hearted, so... I don't know, it's not like she knew I was going to grow up and cry Dwayne Wade commercials on my podcast, but... She always looked at me that way. And she she would try to protect me the best she could without protecting me. So yeah, I'm in fourth grade, Cape and Bridge, West Virginia. And so naturally, the thing that's happening is boyfriend and girlfriends. You know, I'm dating, I'm a, this is my girlfriend over here, and this is my boyfriend over here, blah, blah, blah. So your boy's like, man, I really like this Lydia girl. Fun fact, I'm still friends with Lydia to this day on Facebook. She has two beautiful children with her husband. Shout out to you, Lydia. I really like this Lydia girl, man. I, I would love for her to be my girlfriend. And Lydia was goofy. I don't want to say she's goofy, but she was definitely in her awkward years. Like, I think she had glasses then, and I mean, dressed like a 1992, 93, fourth grade white girl who lived in a, a rural part of West Virginia. Not a too rural part, a part that was only 20 minutes away from Winchester, but, you know, and I was like, oh man, Lydia's great, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I never had the balls to walk up to a girl and be like, hey, will you be my girlfriend? Da, 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 da. I always wanted to write notes and shit. And then trying to think what happened, man. <laughs> I mean, obviously, let's just cut to the chase. She said no. And there was a couple other girls who I thought I had crushes on and stuff like that. And they all said no. So like all through fourth grade year, I'm getting shot down. You know, like nobody wants to be my girlfriend. Mind you, these are all white girls with white dads who may have said an unkind word or two about black people. So, especially as a fourth grader, even in a elementary school situation of dating, which we didn't understand. We didn't understand that we weren't really anything when you're that young, your boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, you see each other at school. But still, none of them was going to come on like, oh, my new boyfriend is black. Especially aged nine or ten. Nah, fam. That's not happening. So I, I made a few friends. And I didn't have any other incidents like that with my blackness. Now, at, at this time, uh, I'm seeing my mom on the weekends and stuff like that. Seeing Barbara on the weekends and, and other times I'm with Bonnie and dad and you know like what what did we do we would uh 
there'd be stuff to do around the house. And I was always there with mom. So I was helping her clean. I was helping her do dishes. I was watching her cook. I was just hanging out with her while she's watching TV or watching our four channels. Watch, she would watch the news at four o'clock. Uh, the NBC, uh, DC News. Shout out to Jim Vance. We, we would watch that. And you know, I, I was just, I was there, you know. Uh, Dad would take me to basketball games sometimes, and I'd watch the basketball games, but I wasn't quite fully formed enough to enjoy the basketball games. So I would go, but most of the time I was going up and down and kind of exploring the building and things like that. Things that Dad always told me not to do, but since he was running up down basketball court, I went and did it anyway. But even through all that, I, I wasn't really being explo- exposed to being a, a black kid, like, I never thought that anybody looked at me weird. But here's the thing. Everybody loved and still loves my dad. If there is if there is a nigger who gets a fucking hall pass with anybody, it's going to be my father. And I think I've adapted that some. I have never in my life, and I've been here almost 37 years now, seen... Anybody come at dad the wrong way about his race? None. Now, mind you, my dad used to be stacked, like muscles, you know, solid brick wall. So I don't think people want to mess with him anyway. But so many people just, oh, we love Danny, Danny, blah, 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 blah. They love Danny, man. So nobody's going to look at his kid weird. Knowing who my dad was. So I had that going for me. In this small town. So. I'm sorry for the pause. I was just thinking. Fifth grade happens. I think I'm. No. Fifth grade. It was either fourth or fifth grade. There was this girl. And I'm friends with her on Instagram. Her name was Sarah, and she was older than me, and we might have ridden the same bus, maybe, but there was something, for some reason, she wanted to be my girlfriend and was for a while, but that literally meant waving, I'm waving to this older girl, and slave the older girl, like, it was like sixth grade, so she, she's like, I'm 10, she's she's 12. So it's not even a big gap like that. There's not that much development other than women being more mature than men when they're growing up. She she wanted me to be her boyfriend for some reason. We wrote notes back and forth, but there was never like any real interaction. All, and and all her older friends like, why are you dating this younger, this fifth grader, this fourth grader, or whatever? And she's like, I don't know, I like him. And I remember she used to sing. I want, I think we had... I think we ended up in chorus together is what happened because I joined the chorus as soon as I could which was uh, fifth grade I think maybe it's fourth grade but I was in the chorus from fourth grade all the way through twelfth grade I was a sanger damn it <laughs> for some reason she, she wanted to holler at your boy and I was goofy back then man my Bonnie was cutting my hair my clothes are fine but like, my dad was wearing cross colors and stuff like that, so he, he kind of was with it. 
he was still in the loop, you know, and I had a little bit of that. But I definitely didn't have my own style. I had no idea. I was just literally, whatever you buy me, I'll throw it on. I'm good. Whatever, you know. Let's keep it moving. So, not a lot of success with girls. And then sixth grade is when everything changes. Because sixth grade... That's when you're like kings of the school and everything, you know? And the kings at elementary school and you're getting ready to go to junior high and all this stuff. You're, you're the best class. And then top, on top of that, my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Hof, who I gave a hard time to about not, because I, I didn't want to take home report cards that said that I, that I didn't vote, like I didn't focus in class, I wouldn't stop talking, even though my grades are good. So I gave her a hard time, tried to forge a couple signatures and stuff like that. And she put me in the accelerated class that they had, which is uh, Mrs. Gold's class, someone else who I'm friends with on Facebook. And so a couple of my other friends were in Mrs. Gold's class. Like, I think Lydia and Chelsea were both in there. And Chelsea and Lydia were like best friends when I first started there. Uh, Jeremiah was in there. They had my friend Simon, maybe, I think Simon was in there. They had put Simon in there. Uh, I was friends with Simon uh, pretty much all through elementary school because we rode the bus together. And so me and Simon were great friends. And in junior high, we kind of drifted apart a little bit. And then for some reason, I don't know what the hell I was smoking, but one day... I cornered him in the bathroom, and I was really physical with him, and I was calling him all kinds of ignorant names, and that's probably one of the things I'm most ashamed about, and I was, like, literally threatening him. I don't know what the fuck happened that day. And then ever since, me and Simon kind of drifted apart. Now, when we got, I moved out to Morgantown, turns out he was here, he met Angel, um, and he was cool with me and everything. We're Facebook friends, but I have always been haunted by that day that I was just super terrible to him in the bathroom for no fucking reason. I don't know who put a battery in my back or what, but I was an asshole to Simon. And he was one of my first friends when I moved to Cabin Bridge. I have no idea. So I'm in this special class, this uh, accelerated learning, whatever you want to call it, because Mrs. Hope was saying that I wasn't being challenged enough in my regular studies. So she had me go to Mrs. Gould's class to kind of see what was what, see if I actually was capable of hanging with the accelerated kids and things like that. The ones that really needed a challenge. I wasn't. It was more, uh, it was a one year thing. Cause uh, after uh, everybody moved junior high, they like Jeremiah and some of them would still go to Mrs. Gould's for stuff. Not me. I was left off that list. And I don't know if it was just my lack of focus or, uh, talking too much, playing around too much, but yeah, I, I never buckled down when it came to my studies, and lo and behold, it came back to haunt me when I didn't have a degree. And this is turning more into a whole play-by-play. -play -by. I want I want y'all to understand my experience as a kid, man, because I just I it's going to come full circle. So you know, sixth grade happens. There, there's nothing remarkable. 
By this time, though, I have started singing and listening to a lot of R&B music, starting to, um, starting to get my own musical identity. Sixth grade was 94, 95. It started in 1994 and then in 95. So I went into junior high school in 1995. So I'm kind of learning who I am. I'm watching a lot of of um, MTV and BET too because we had gotten Prom Star. So I'm getting exposed to a lot of music that way. But also, it's around, uh, essentially, I'd say 95 or so is around the time that I start watching different movies and things like that because, I mean, they all just started to come out in a row. So like Friday was out and then we had stars back then and I would watch different things on stars. And thankfully, I was exposed to cursing pretty young. So my dad was never big um, big on cursing, but he didn't mind if I watched something in it as long as I wasn't repeating it. So I would start taking in like all the black movies I could because, one, I could identify with those people because I wasn't around any of them like that. And... Too because they were just great movies. So I'm watching Friday. I'm watching Menaces, or not Menace, watching um, Boys in the Hood for the first time. Um, watching Poetic Justice. So all these movies that are coming on around this time that feature these black actors, I'm starting to to really get invested in them, and I'm really kind of hanging on all these words because I realize now I I just didn't get any black exposure. And dad had mentioned to me a few times, like, oh, you need to watch Roots and da 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 and, you know, and, and it, like, he, he wasn't really, not to say he wasn't pro-black, but I think he definitely made the mention that I need to watch Roots. And so I, I could understand, and, and like, my, my biggest exposure to, to, like, I hadn't watched any slave movies or anything like that, so the worst thing I'd seen as far as treatment of black people would probably be the color purple at that point. So I, I, I read about it in the books and I do want to go ahead and address what I was taught as far as history goes, because another question from my pal was, what do you remember history wise? Like, uh, what do you remember being taught about black people and stuff like that? And not a not a whole lot, man. It was it was just your typical, you know, Martin Luther King did this and and slaves are freed this day and there wasn't really any in, in depth into it. And I can honestly say that all the way through high school, I don't remember there being any real targeted stuff about black history. Um, so everything I picked up, I was learning on my own. I do remember that I learned a lot of black history, ironically enough, though, through West Virginia history, which was taught by, um, Butch Kuykendall in eighth grade. Uh, he actually did go over a lot of stuff because, of course, West Virginia, seg- uh, segregated. West Virginia seceded from Virginia in 1863. And they, because they, they were anti-slavery and a lot of major battles and major happenings and black history around that time happened in West Virginia. So there, there's a lot of things that were mentioned. And then, of course, 
just my curiosity over the years, I kind of learned more and more about different figures. But it it was pretty independent, you know. Um, it was running a mill like Harriet Subman led the led the uh, um, Underground Railroad. Anyway, back to you know. So, Matt says we knew each other earlier because we were in elementary school together, but he was never in any of my classes. And it was uh, 95 when we uh, first all pulled up to junior high school and we were in Miss Master's class, me and, me and Matthew. And... Somehow we immediately took a, a real liking to each other, found out that we both drew and liked sports and he was in the music and uh he was um and I was into music and things like that. So we became fast friends in nineteen ninety five. Jesus, me and Matt have been friends for twenty five years. <laughs> That's wild. And anyway, I tell you that because if I'm the whitest black, the blackest white, the whitest black guy, you know, when I first met Matt, I thought he was the blackest white dude I'd ever met in my life. Like Matt was from Baltimore. He had lived in Winchester. He had seen some shit. He was out doing some things that he shouldn't have been doing around his age, you know. So he'd been exposed to a lot of things. Plus, he listened to a lot of gangster rap. So, he was, from what he had seen literally in front of him, just from the little bit of street stuff he saw before moving to Cape and Bridge. Pair that with having a love of hip-hop, which was exploding in all ways in 1995, and then pairing those tales that were told on wax with what he was experiencing... Like, I would have told anybody that Matthew Spencer was the hardest motherfucker out. Like, I I wanted to be that dude so bad, man. Because I was still this kid who would go home and help with, din- like, eat dinner and do the dishes and hang out with his mother and maybe whatever, look at some TV. And then I'd go to bed or whatever time and then I'd get up and do it all over again. Like, my life was literally that from 1992 up until essentially graduation in 2001. That was, that was what I did. I came home, I ate, did things around the house, you know, hung out with mom, and then that was about it. I didn't go places other than when I played organized basketball in 8th uh, and ninth grade. I didn't, I didn't do much. I didn't go to no football games. I didn't go to taco fiesta that used to have at junior high i'd go to a few dances i I went to both i didn't go to my seventh grade spring dance but i went to the eighth eighth grade spring dance i went to the ninth grade spring dance and you know man it was that's that was my whole experience okay and god bless my mama but she can't she can't teach a little black boy about how to be black. And God bless my father, but my father didn't want me to know what it was to be black. He was trying to shelter me, protect me. 
So me and Matt meet. And nothing really eventful happens in junior high. Like, I remember my junior year high years more fondly than I do my high school years. I barely remember high school. I remember junior high like it was yesterday. I could, I, I can see every nook and cranny of all those buildings because there was, there was two main buildings. There was the main building, I like where the office was, and then there was another building off to the left where they had a whole bunch of classrooms and stuff. And the music room was over there. So I, I can still see those buildings like the back of my hand and the basketball courts in the back and the and the field uh, where I once had an amazing ultimate Frisbee game and I embarrassed my teacher, Charlie Streisel. What up, Charlie? Because <laughs> I killed him. He was talking shit, saying I was trash. But I, I still wasn't exposed. So I'm going to say it was sometime... No, I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say, I go to junior high, The it's uneventful. I play basketball in 8th and ninth grade. In 8th grade, um, um, I'm decent, you know, uh, from the time basketball ended in the uh, winter of 97 until the time basketball began again in October of, of 97, I obsessed myself with playing basketball and I was probably at the peak of my basketball playing powers. I thought I was a killer, but I didn't realize I was going to have performance anxiety on the court. So I, I started doing this weird thing in uh, middle school where I would just kind of act out and it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with anything. It was more like just me doing dumb shit and getting caught. Like one time me and Matt were walking from the second building back over to the main building and some kids had their, um, social studies projects, science projects, sitting outside, like getting ready to move them into somewhere for judging or something. And my dumb ass goes and kicks one. Now, I don't kick it like super hard enough to break it or tear it up or anything, but it's enough to nudge it and make it fall over or something. And I get caught by um, one of the gym teachers. And so I end up getting suspended for that shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding you. Um... Or no, I, I didn't get suspended. I got a, uh, I got a uh, detention. I got after school detention for like, I don't know, three weeks or some shit like that because I was stupid and did that. And then there's one time that again me talking in class, my mother literally came to school and sat with me in all my classes throughout the day because I wouldn't stop talking. That was the real thing that happened. I don't know how I did it though, but like halfway through the day, she was like laughing with me and everything else. And we were like having fun and shit. Like it was no big deal. I don't know how I pulled that one off. But still, even through junior high to high school, my black experiences are very limited. Now, in 95 though, that was the summer I reconnected with um, Barbara because. In 92, 93, I was there. She was coming to get me every weekend. And then her car died and it just kind of fell off. And I didn't see her for like over a year and stuff. And then all of a sudden they started coming to get me again. And so my cousins, Mike and Marcus, who were just a year, like Michael's two years older than me and Marcus is a year older than me, um, who were kind of still immature and goofy like me and everything like that. When I had left in 92 and last saw him in like 93, to see the 95 versions, 
this 13 and 14 year old kids run around and one to go here and there and there there was a drastic change and i remember it it just seemed like shit was way realer for them you know not not to say that they had seen some things or done some things but you know i mean shit i mean they started wanting to be more independent they wanted to be out they wanted to get with the chicks you know they were hollering, you know, and not and not my kind of love no hollering. They're hollering like, "Let's go kick it somewhere," you know. Let let me let me see what happens. And so when I was hanging out with them in '95, I felt really behind because I didn't have any of that. They were super cool to me. They've always been super cool to me. Like they've always respected the person that I was and everything and never made me feel less than or anything like that. But I just felt like I I wasn't accelerating at the same rate for the as they had. And that was really weird for me. So high school. And let me just say that through this whole journey, there still hasn't been a lot of black people. There was this black girl named Siobhan, who I'm friends with on Instagram. She moved to Cape and Bridge in... Or did she move from... Is she in Cape and Bridge? Siobhan go to Cape and Bridge? Or did she go right to Hampshire? I don't remember. I feel like she came into Hampshire, but like after my... 10th grade year or something, everybody's like, oh, there's this black girl that's coming. She's super fun. You need to holler at her. And I don't know how, but me and her started talking and uh, sending letters to each other and stuff. Like, not not like love letters. Like, we were actually corresponding through the mail and stuff. And she was mad cool. But, like, everybody wanted us to be boyfriend and girlfriend because we were the only black kids that were in the same age range, you know? And I, I never wanted, I like, I, I thought she was cute and everything, but I never wanted to pull a trigger because I was too nervous. And then the, she ain't going to holler at me because I'm too backwards to holler at. I don't even know if she had any interest. But yeah, everybody's like, oh man, you two should, you two should get together. Because we're the only black people? Like, why? That don't make no damn sense. Episode sponsored by water, by the way. This is the first time that I ran into all black people look alike. Because for several years, I would constantly be called Brian. Because there was a guy named Brian Wright, and I'm friends with him on IG too. He just had a little girl a little while ago. Shout out to you, Brian. Brian was a beast on the football field he had been a beast since elementary junior high like he was killing cape and bridge from when he played for romney junior high um when i was in junior high he, he was a killer so we got to hampshire like everybody in hampshire all the coaching staff like salivating couldn't wait to get their hands on the great brian right you know and brian didn't disappoint man like brian brian was a fucking beast he was amazing on the football field. He was good on the basketball court. I think he did track and field too. There was nothing 
that Brian Ray couldn't do. I wish I had talked to Brian more in high school, though. Because here's the thing. Hampshire was was funneled by two places. Romney, which is one side of Hampshire County, and then like Augusta, Cape and Bridge, everywhere in between, which is the other side of Hampshire County. And then they all throw us together. And then this is after we have our huge Romney versus Cape and Bridge rivalry for then three years. And that was the whole thing. And I I just never, like, I would speak to him, you know, like, hey, what's up, Brian, you know? But it was not, like, you would think that as the first black guy that I could really gravitate to, that I would. And I just never did. I was content hanging out with Matt and my Cape and Bridge people. And I had a few Romney friends, but it was mostly Cape and Bridge kids. I didn't have no reason to go searching out Romney people. But I'm really interested to know what his experience with all this was like. Because I, I I can't remember. I think I knew at one point. But I don't remember how long he was actually in Romney. Like, I don't know if he was born and bred Romney. And then came to... um, And then ended up in Hampshire. Or if he had moved in like I did at a certain point. So... It could have went many ways, but I'd love to hear what his experience was, because Brian was, he was on the weights. I mean, this dude literally looks like he's chiseled out of granite. He's a beautiful black man. I ain't scared to say it. I ain't scared to say it. And, you know, Brian, like, I can't remember if Brian dated. I feel like there was girls that Brian was with, though, you know, in high school. And I had terrible luck. I was still... Dating in the Stone Age, like love letters, blah, blah, blah. There's a couple girls that I talked to, um, you know, hit by a few milestones. First kiss, first, you know, you know, no, without getting too graphic. Um, I was still hitting milestones and stuff. But there was nothing really long term. I will say, though. That I dated this one girl. And I'm going to omit her name just for... Because her name's not that common. And if anybody really wanted to dig, they'll find her. They're like, damn, bro. (laughs) See, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) I don't know, man. I started seeing this one girl. And that was... Was that 11th grade? I feel like it was 11th grade. Because she was in 10th grade. And... we, We dated for a while. But everything was letter correspondence, you know? I mean, we'd see each other and stuff like that. And there was one point where she had broken up with me. And then somehow I won her back by sending her Donnell Jones is where I want to be over AIM. And getting her back. And look, I'll tell you, she was a white girl with... I think she's prettier then than she is. Uh, see, I feel horrible. What if she listens to this? She knows this about her. I'm sorry. She had an ass, though. She had a hell of an ass. I remember that. I remember putting my hands on that joint in the, in the picture, too. What up, though? Like, not full on, but I definitely had tips. The tips on there. 
But I remember her stepmother hating me. And I could not figure out why for the life of me. Okay, I wasn't that dumb. But, you know, I like I posed no th- I would call her every now and then on the phone. You know, and we would we would talk in school when we saw each other. But I was the least threatening dude. I wasn't asking to take her anywhere. Nothing. We we was just chilling. There was nothing to it. It was cool, man. Her stepmother hated my guts. Because I was black. Let's face it. And ultimately we ended up breaking up. And then not getting back together again. But I remember I took her to the took her to the prom, my eleventh grade prom, man, and and we we had ourselves a time, man, and then, you know, me being awkward and things like that, it didn't help. But I definitely remember her stepmother hating me, and I didn't do anything to her other than not be a white boy. If I was a white boy, who knows? So that was my, my first experience with the whole I don't want my daughter dating and everything, you know. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, let's just get right to the shits here. There's been two comments made by friends of mine about white women here fairly recently. And one, I kind of I kind of said something to him about it jokingly, and he posted like, oh, I wasn't talking about your wife. I'm sure she's great. It's like, ugh. I know that's not what you meant, but you made a very specific comment about white women. And I felt a certain kind of way. And then I wake up this morning, I look on social media, and there's something else about white women from a friend of mine. And I'm like, look, but then let's just, they're black. Yeah, both of them black. It's like, look, guys, I know that y'all feel a certain kind of way about things. But y'all got to respect the fact that I am happily married for um, almost seven years at this point to a white woman. And I've been with this white woman for almost 17 years. That's crazy. And we we have a daughter together. And I know that you're you're saying this kind of venting on one hand and da 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 da, but at the same time you gotta see how I feel, like that's a fucking shot. I mean, it's not like you said hyphen and and his white wife, and like oh Angel's cool, like why does it like, so Angel gets omitted from the white woman conversation, no because she's. White, like I'll make jokes every now and then. I'm like fucking white people, something like that. She's like, you know, I'm white, right? I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I don't. And it, it, it's just like, well, she, yeah, but I am, and you know, it, it's a thing. Obviously, yeah, she's white, so she's lumped into that. But it, it'd be the same thing as if I don't know, you had a bunch of white friends, and you're the sole nigger. Sorry, soul nigga. <laughs> and then, like, man, I can't stand niggers. Always doing this, always doing that, blah, 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 blah. But you're cool, Brian. <laughs> you're not like the rest of them. So you, because you're cool, you're out by omission? Like, no. No, man. Like, let let me tell you. 
Let's just get right to the shits. I'm attracted to all kinds of women, okay? It just so happened that with Bonnie being there and in the area I grew up with, I was mostly around white women. So that is who I naturally drifted to. But I love all women. I don't hate black girls. I don't hate brown girls. I don't hate Asian girls. I love all women. I'm only allowed to love my wife, but I do love all women. So whenever someone starts making these comments about, oh, we got to stay away from these white women and blah, 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 blah. I take offense to it. Like, do y'all remember the rant that was in, I feel like it was episode mm, 70. It was the one where LeVar Burton had on the shirt about the black, uh, like only real men date black women or something like that. And I had taken offense to it. And eventually I talked myself out of it because I was about to go off on him. Because it's like, yeah, pro-black. Stay, stay in your race. Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, there's the, the angry mobs of black women who say that white women are stealing their men all the time. And, and all this stuff. And for... And I, it's cool to support that idea. But I don't... I hate that it comes at my expense. And some of y'all probably listen to this like, oh man, well, you know what? Why, why'd you date a white woman? You wouldn't have that problem if you stayed in your own race. Stayed in your own race, Blackie. I'm a firm believer because of what I was taught coming up that you love who you love. No matter what. Gay, trans, bi, straight, it does not matter. You love who you love. And then to see people that I... When I see people that I talk to on a daily basis or respect, when they take that shot, it's like a fucking knife to the heart. And it really pisses me off. I get black pride and all this stuff and... You know, we got we got every every strong black man has a strong black woman behind him. You like you, you know what? Goddamn right, my mother was behind me. But you know what? I also was lucky enough to have a strong white woman behind me too. So where the fuck y'all get off when you're fucking high horse? Just with all this shit, it's, it just makes me so angry. I'm trying to reel it back in. Trying to get back on track. But I know even in college, like when it came to dating and things like that, I know there was probably certain girls who didn't want to mess with me because they didn't want their daddies back home to know that they were dating black dude. It just just was what it was. So I, I I started meeting some black people when I go to college in Kaiser, Potomac State. So I meet my friend Wes and my friend Steve and my friend Ed. And, you know, we were all hanging out and stuff, you know, just kicking around campus, things like that. And, you know, Wes was a wrestler and uh, he had a car and I, I I didn't learn how to drive until I was like 19. Angel actually taught me how to drive and I took the test on the RAV4. Um, I, you know, and he, he would go and see his girlfriend on the weekends and, 
you know, he, he had he had lived a full life and he had done all kinds of crazy stuff living in Charlestown. Not too crazy, you know. And then Ed, of course, was a former football star who was supposed to go to Penn State and then blow out his knee and ended up taking a scholarship to come to Potomac State um, and do some stuff. And then Steve um, wanted to go to WVU but didn't didn't get accepted, so he was going to WVU just kind of temporarily, or Potomac State temporarily, just to, because WVU automatically accepted anybody from Potomac State, so it, it was whole, his whole plan was just do two years of Potomac State and then go to WVU. And he had his own experiences in Oak Hill. Ed was from Maryland. Clinton, Maryland, you know. So they, they, they've all been raised in a whole different situation for me. Charlestown's very black. Oak Hill, Huntington area. There's a lot of black people. Um, Clinton, Maryland. Tons of black people. So none of them have had the same experience as I have. And plus, this is my first year without Matt. Because Matt didn't come out to college first year. He uh, stayed behind. So he didn't come to Potomac State until Potomac State 2002. So I'm truly on my own here. And I started hanging out with these guys. And then like... I mean, me and Wes are connected on music, and, and me and Steve are connected on the things we like to watch, and eventually, once I start hanging out with Ed, we realize we have a mutual love of sports and everything, and Wes looked at me and went like, man, Kellen, you bite. Bite, of course, meaning you're black, but you're white, so when comes the time that I'm black enough in my life? Because let's pull it back full circle. Here we are a week ago. Hell, maybe not even a week ago. It could have been a few days ago. Here we are, and I have this woman who's older than me, older white woman, who is very sweet, and and I consider her a, a very good acquaintance, if not a friend, saying that I'm the whitest black guy she knows. And then even as an 18-year-old kid coming to Kaiser, West Virginia, of all places, to go to school, here I am getting called white by this black kid who has actually lived the black experience, you know? I'm goofy. I like to laugh. I make crude jokes. But you know what? I'm I'm also I don't know what what is a white characteristic? I feel like I'm the blackest I've ever been right now. I... It sucks. Because sometimes I feel like I don't qualify for my own race. And y'all listening to this probably be like, Oh, you know, what's he talking about? He's clearly black and, you know... And he says, he says, nigga, and blah, 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 blah. Like, I would say nigga as a kid, man, just to, just to, because I wasn't, he, like, when I said that shit as a kid, and I, I, I still am getting choked up. I'm just getting passionate, I promise. When I said that shit as a kid, that shit felt like validation to me, because I had no one else to talk to that way. My dad never says nigga. I've never heard my father say nigga so when I was talking like that even when I was rapping songs I'm like yeah nigga it felt like a validation that I was actually black 
And that was important to me because I didn't feel that validation anywhere else. Sorry again for the pause, but I mentioned way back on episode 21, you look like Carlton Banks. My whole life once I moved to West Virginia, you look like Carlton Banks. Do the Carlton dance. Because I was a black kid, dressed kind of nerdy, well-to-do. Not well-to-do, I wasn't prim and proper, but you know, I, I wasn't... I've never been the black person people expect. Just had a coworker the other day find out I rap. And she's like, I was shocked. Everybody's so shocked that I rap. You rap? What? You? You know, like, have a nice day, have a nice weekend. You know, uh, the, like, all that customer said, you, you're a rapper? Yeah. And you know what? I'm actually pretty good at it, too. But am I not black enough to be a rapper? I remember one night we were um, in Kaiser at Potomac State. And we were all, like, if you go down, like, the hill, like, there's two ways, a couple ways up to Potomac State, but there, I haven't been there in a few years, but you can always make uh, these turns to go up to the main campus. And we were sitting down there on a wall in front of the school, like, just, uh, you know, just hanging out, passing a little something-something, you know. And... I, I can't remember if it happened down there. This this white truck went rolling through campus, and I think they they had called our friend Vince a nigger, and Vince went chase after him flip flops, and Vince fell down and tore his hand up, and then they came down past us, and I feel like they called us a bunch of names too, so like all of us ran back up on campus, and Wes was drunk studying in the student union. I'm like Wes, yeah, they called us a nigger. We're gonna go fuck him up. Wes like I'm studying. <laughs> Lo and behold. Who has a degree? <laughs> and um, so we all hop in uh, Vince's truck and we're, we're driving like 90 miles an hour through Kaiser trying to find these dudes because we were going to fuck them up. And I remember it was like one of the greatest moments of my life. So I was like, yes, that's right. I'm finally going to show them all. I'm going to show them how black I am by beating these white dudes ass for calling me a, calling me a nigger. Who thinks that? Even I wasn't sober by any means, but who thinks that? As a 19-year-old. That I need to fuck somebody up to validate my blackness for you. Thankfully, we didn't catch him. Me and Matt were just talking about that before he went to New Zealand. So, I've always just... I don't know. I've just always wanted to feel validated by black people. Not to say black people haven't validated me, but in the back of my mind, 
I feel like no matter what, I'm never going to be black enough. It's, it's a weird feeling to live with. It really is. When, um, after me and Angel got together, Angel would mention how she would get dirty looks from black girls in the mall or, you know, older people just seeing us together because we'd be out and we'd be holding hands, whatever. We still hold hands, whatever. And she'd say how she would see people looking all the time. And she's like, you don't see that? I was like, no, I don't see it because I don't look for it. I really don't. And I still don't. I'm painfully aware, especially after the last four years in this country. I'm painfully aware of my blackness. But I'm still not looking. Like, I was, like, there will be times I think about it. Like, we were, where were we at? Oh, I took Aaliyah to this birthday party. One Saturday. And I think there was only one other black kid there, one black parent, and then there's me and Aaliyah. And all these other white people, you know, and I was just being super nice, you know, and and thankfully Morgantown is pretty chill about that kind of thing. I've never really run into a truly racist Incident here in Morgantown. I've heard of them. I did go to the shoe department here in the past few months looking at shoes and had a salesperson come up and was literally standing next to me while I was trying on shoes and didn't ask me if I needed help. I was definitely standing there like I was about to put on those shoes and leave. So I cleaned up all the shoes, put them back. I said, I got all those cleaned up for you and I didn't steal anything. Now I walk up to the front counter, put my paper on the counter, and say, we throw that away from me, please. So they used to work in the shoe department. And here you are following me around because I'm black. I have had that, of course. You, you walk around. I used to literally have a backpack on me. Um, so I'd be walking around stores and stuff, and I'd be getting watched. Um, and that, that made sense. I'm wearing a backpack, you know. At the same time, I knew that was probably because I was black. I was a white kid in his... Uh, mid-20s is walking through your store with a backpack of one, maybe you wouldn't feel so ap- apprehensive. I don't know. But Angel's always like, oh, the, the she used to say that people staring would make her mad. And she's like, I almost want to say something, but I, I, obviously I don't. I'm like, I just don't, I don't pay no attention to it. Like, I, I, I really don't. I'm more aware of it now because of the last four years than I was before. Less so the last the previous I'm more aware of it now as far as as far as people's reactions to me being black. Um, in the last four years versus what I saw in the first thirteen years of me and Angel's relationship. Sorry again for the pause. Uh, this is heavy content. Like I, I'm trying, I'm hoping I'm getting the point across. And then 
there's Aaliyah, of course. And there's some people out there who feel like Aaliyah should have one mother and father of the same race. So there's that. There's those who will see Aaliyah as black and treat her rudely. There's those who will never see Aaliyah as black and not and and um they'll they will they will be rude to her by omission because they won't treat her like a black black person, kinda like kinda like I felt I feel like how I was treated a lot in life that I not by my parents or anything, but just by my but my classmates and stuff like that. They saw me and saw a black kid. But because they didn't know how, they couldn't validate my blackness for me, so they were almost omitting my blackness. They were not omitting my blackness by omission, if I may omission, if that makes any sense. And you know, there there's all kinds of things out there about kids and like there's a whole Atlanta episode about Vanessa identifying as black when she's having that conversation with her friend. And her friend's like, oh, well, you chose to identify black. I chose to identify white. And that's why your life's not so shitty. That's why you're with Earn. And I'm over here with this dude. And life is great. You need to get rid of Earn. Because all he's doing is holding you down. And I think ultimately V ended up getting mad at her for, for saying that. But I feel like that's a real thing. Like, is that could happen. Like at some point is Aaliyah going to look in the mirror and be like, I'm black or I'm white. That's totally got to be a thing. Shouldn't it? Cause right now she's, she's pretty Brown. She's not dark, but there's definitely Brown in her complexion. But I have a fear that maybe she maybe she doesn't want to have anything to do with her blackness at a certain age. Maybe it's like, hey, you know, I'm a little white girl. I want her to know both sides. And I think and Angel does too. But I'm super fearful of what she's gonna face as a biracial mixed kid. I've seen my fair share of shit. Angels never had to see shit. No offense, honey. I know you're sleeping. But she's never had to see half of things I've actually had to see or deal with or consider. And at some point, I'm going to have to sit Aaliyah down and have the co- and have the Cop talk. It kills me right now that Angel's all like, oh, cops are your friends. And you know what? Let me just say, in the Morgantown area, knock on wood, thank you, Jesus, I can say that the cops are pretty fair. I don't hear a whole lot about black dudes getting yoked up for no reason in Morgantown. (sighs) Excuse me. Doesn't mean I couldn't change. But definitely, she needs to know. 
what to do if you get pulled over, how you should act, where you should keep your hands, all that stuff. My father never had to have that talk with me. But I tell you what, after I got pulled over my birthday in 09, and that cop asked me how much drugs I had on me in the car, when I was literally driving back from where Angel worked at the time, driving back to Morgantown so I could go to work, that learned me real quick. There wasn't anything crazy that happened other than him asking me all those questions about drugs. But, it was... A real quick exposure to what's really real, you know? So, yeah. In conclusion, because I feel like I've rambled enough here. Growing up, I wasn't exposed to... Uh, I wasn't exposed to being a black kid that much. I was just a kid who lived in a white-ass town. Had multiple failures with women, with uh, girls growing up, because ultimately probably didn't want their parents knowing they had a black boyfriend. Ran into a few things in college. Met some friends who immediately started calling me white and uh, and they're still my friends. And I just feel like I constantly have to prove my blackness to people, which sucks. And somebody might say, Oh, you started a black podcast group, like a black podcast network to validate you. Like, no. Everybody who I have linked with just ha- so happens to be black. Hyphen Podcast Group is not a black podcast network in my eyes if it's seen as that that's perfectly fine hyphen podcast group welcomes everybody i do not care but it just sucks when just one phrase you're the blackest no <laughs> you're the whitest black guy I know can really cut you deep so many years later because it had been a long time since I heard that and I know I'm different I'm okay with being different but as soon as I came out of her mouth it just cut me so badly and it hurt as with everything I've accomplished in life and everything I've done Here I am still trying to validate my blackness to your ass. It's your girl Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode Q and Slay, or theater from our butts. Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group.
Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective, bringing great podcasts to people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com, and also by Mark Robb, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. Marcus writes prolific paragraphs that pontificates on pop culture, the Oscars, music, all kinds of things. So go check out his archives. He has new stuff coming in 2020. That's themarkrob.wordpress.com. The M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. Hyphen Nation can be found on your favorite podcast listening platform. Mostly Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Allison Radio Public, TuneIn, um, Player FM, uh, Blueberry. Wherever podcasts are podcasted, you can find Hyphen Nation. I ask you to, wherever you're listening, that you take the time to leave a review and subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. And then if you'll go over to Apple Podcasts for me and give us five stars, it'd be greatly appreciated. If you leave a review on any platform, I will read it, good or bad. I do not mind at all. And then also, if you're using Google Home or if you're using um, your Echo, you can just say, Alexa, play the latest episode of Hyphenation. And then the latest episode will play. If you can't find Hyphenation or another one of our great shows on Hyphen Podcast Group on your favorite podcast listening platform, Please let me know and I will do my best to remedy it. Also, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's them again. And by that, I mean tell a friend about the world's greatest, no, the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast. Please and thank you. Make sure you're talking about this at the water cooler. So this isn't going to come out tonight. This is literally being recorded early Thursday night. I'm going to take myself to bed. So this will be coming out Thursday evening. So Friday morning, get to the water cooler and be like, yo, I can't believe how white Kellen is. Like, yeah, man, I can't believe how white that nigga is either. I don't care. I don't care at this point. I really hope this made sense to y'all. It it felt good to kind of get off my chest because I've been wanting to do a racing for a while. Um, I was kind of all over the place, but I feel like I had to tell you where I came from in order to tell you where I'm at now. So I... I just wanted to um, address that. If you want to get a hold of the show, bhypn at gmail.com, hyphen at gmail.com, um, at hyphen on Twitter, um, hyphen universe on Facebook, or facebook.com slash hyphen or the hyphen on Instagram. If you want to go through hyphen podcast group channels, you can do so at hyphen podcast group at gmail.com, hyphen pie group on Twitter, hyphen podcast group on Facebook, and hyphen podcast group on Instagram. Also, there is a hyphen podcast group group as well that you can join. And uh, it's being moderated by um, Handsome Bane and Miles Amadeus Prower right now. So uh, you can uh, see all the great stuff they're posting in there. Um, and if you just want to get to the post to the shits, then you can just follow the main page, hyphen podcast group. Um, give people their flowers while they're still there. here. You never know when it's their time to go. Um, just make sure you tell people how important they are to you. And with that being said, call your mom, call your dad, call your sister, call your brother, write your grandmother, um, write on your grandfather's Facebook wall, send your uncle a text, send your aunt a postcard, call your godparents, um, FaceTime, uh, your kids. If you're not there, tell them how much they mean to you and your spouse. You just never know. So always do that. Try to, try to give people their flowers while they're still here. 
Um, and also try to have genuine good interactions with people because you never know what the next man or woman is going through. And your kind words could save their life or someone else's. So please try to do that for me while you're out there. Power of positivity is real. Get that negativity out of your life. No matter what it may be, no matter what you have to do, you got to do you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And with that being said, um, words of wisdom for today. Don't make people feel less than. Because this whole episode is about my whole life feeling less than. Because of how I grew up. So, don't make people feel like less than. And hopefully they don't do that shit to you. That's my words of wisdom for today. I'm a little testy. That whole thing about, about the white women. And then that comment about me being the whitest black person. She knows it. Really gets under my skin. Still does. I really just need to go to bed and say fuck it. Like I knew doing this episode was going to just really open up a real big wound. But I've been wanting to do it for a while. And I said fuck it. Why not just do it. Apologies to Markel Fultz. I was talking about racism. Sorry. I was talking about race mostly. And uh, my black experience. So fuck it. Um, I appreciate each and every one of y'all listening to the show. If this one was a little rough for you, a little too real, sorry, not sorry, because again, it was something I needed to say, especially after everything that happened. Um, get back to more lighthearted content on the next episode, I promise. But every time y'all listen to the episode, it really does mean the world to me. I appreciate each and every one of those plays. Really helps me out uh, when I think of everything. Um, I feel like I'm leaving something out, man. Go listen to the Shredhead podcast. Episode 2 is out. It's hilarious. I was listening to it today on my way home from work. This went way longer than I expected. But sometimes these things happen. Anyway, let's try that again. I say all that just to say this. Thanks, y'all. and comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid an exposure.